0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talk to Roxanne. This is sort of a, kind of like a keyword coaching session and just how to approach content. So Roxanne is a fellow YouTuber. She's in the personal finance space. She has a blog as well, so it's interesting because she did keyword research using the KGR, the Keyword Golden Ratio, to look for topics for both her blog and YouTube. So this is kind of the first time that I've seen someone try to use the KGR directly for YouTube. And we talk about some of the caveats in there. So it's it's part coaching. It's part Q&A, just the whole thing is kind of questions going back and forth and generally a coaching session. Be sure to check out Roxanne's other interview. If you didn't listen to that the first time around, there's a link in the show notes here. And of course, check out her YouTube channel over at Finance Rocks. She has a few hundred subscribers at this point in time. So if you listen to this way in the future, she may have a lot more subscribers. And I found her through, I think she commented on other, on other videos that I was watching and I noticed that she was from Bozeman or at least that's what the video said, in the Bozeman area. So I thought, oh, I, I love Bozeman. I actually live there, of course. So I, I reached out and just said hello and see if, to check to see if we could do some sort of collaboration, which we did. So anyway, check that out. I want to give a shout out also to a sponsor, Ezoic. And I want to, I th- technically, I'm supposed to talk about their site speed accelerator, but I've been talking about that a lot and you should check it out. I love the site speed accelerator. It'll help your site load faster. However, I have been pointing people towards their blog because there's so much awesome information and I recommend you just go to ezoic.com blog. I mean, you could follow my link so they see that you're coming from my, my direction, but they have a few different categories and I, I would say just click around and see what you're interested in. So they have monetization, content, boost SEO, tips and tricks, industry news, and testing and speed. And I know that testing and speed to make sure I stay in the topic area of uh, site speed, you can learn a lot of things to speed up your site. It's going to be very important as the core web vitals and making sure your site loads fast and all that is becoming more and more important. So That is a great place to just browse around and see if you could improve your site speed. I know I occasionally get obsessed. It's a fun technical thing to get into. So it's not hard for me to spend a few hours to maybe over optimize, try to get that last 5%. But at this point in time, niche site project, it loads pretty fast, and I'm very happy with that. So Thanks to Ezoic. I appreciate them sponsoring the show. And if you have a second, you know, check out their blog, hop over there, let them know that you appreciate the sponsorship as well. Let's send it over to the interview now. Hey, Roxanne, how's it going today?
1: Good. How are you, Doug?
0: Doing great, and looking forward to catching up with you. It's been a little while, and for the people that don't know you, who are you and what do you do?
1: Yeah, I am The Finance Rocks, R-O-X short for Roxanne. I am a blogger, YouTuber, personal finance coach. I do content around budgeting and paying off debt, emergency funds, all those fun finance things that everybody loves, right?
0: people are into that stuff these days. And how'd you get started? And you, we did another longer interview, so you don't have to give the, the full breakdown, but yeah, maybe just a couple minutes how you got into this space.
1: Yeah. Well, I've always been interested in personal finance since I was a little kid and had three piggy banks. And I got my degree in accounting and um, yeah, worked as a, you know, worked in the industry for a while and I really enjoy talking about money, so that is a part of it too. But ultimately, trying to help people—you know—that kind of struggle with money. I like to do like entry level personal finance. So,
0: very cool. And mm-hmm. what's what's the latest over on on the YouTube side? I know uh, as a YouTuber myself, sometimes it's a bit of a grind, and you you do videos, and people t- tend to get burned out here and there. Which I didn't prep you on any of these questions I was going to ask, but. How's it going on on the YouTube side?
1: Yeah, good. Uh, Yeah, the long slog of, you know, trying to kind of get established, working on learning editing and um, SEO, which I appreciate you taking my questions today. Yeah, it's been good. I've been wanting to do more bullet journal style videos. I really want to try to make finance more visual for people. I think it being abstract is one of the big barriers, you know, to people, kind of understanding and getting into it. So i um, doing a big video right now that I, that's been taking a lot of time, um, basically a 2021 bullet journal setup video, translating all of my spreadsheets into you a know, paper uh, planner. So that way, and it's fun too. I've been enjoying like the crafting component and drawing component of it as well.
0: It's pretty fun. Yeah, I got into some of the bullet journaling and, and journaling uh, YouTube stuff a couple of years ago. They're really fun to watch. And I never really got into like a strict bullet journal setup, but more some of the productivity and just tracking and revisiting stuff uh, over and over again to make sure you stay on track. So those are pretty cool, Bit huge space too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think probably for a reason, right? They're popular because they're, you know, like you said, they're fun to watch and uh, you get kind of productivity tips along the way too.
0: Yeah, or if you do it like me, you just watch the videos and don't actually do the the work behind it and you can enjoy and feel like maybe you did something productive. So that's, yeah. that's what I did. Anyway, today we're going to cover uh, a few things. So we're going to answer and ask, well, you're going to ask some questions on the SEO side and keyword golden ratio related. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, people outside the SEO and affiliate marketing space using the keyword golden ratio. And you've gone a step further because one of your primary focuses is around YouTube. So you're going to be using the KGR with YouTube and the accompanying blog. So it all kind of works together and I'll just turn it over to you and let you ask some, some questions on KGR and SEO.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks. One of my first questions was you know, are the keyword phrases that I put into my spreadsheet, are they too long? You know, am I going too into, too into detail? So, you know, one, uh, one example would be, you know, how to write a professional resume in 2021. You know, so just to get your feedback on that.
0: Long is usually very specific and detailed and someone's looking for something very specific. So generally those are good those are gonna be really long tail. You'll often find, and I'm, I'm sure you did in your research, that the search volumes for longer phrases is less. Just, that is the long tail. Like by definition, it's more obscure stuff. It is lower search volume. The good part is because it's so specific, if someone actually types in something that detailed, they probably want the content That you have written or created, whether it's video or a blog post. The one sort of cautionary thing to add is you mentioned the year and for the people that are listening, you're not going to be able to see any of the spreadsheet action that we're going to do for the full video and the full interview. Basically, when you put a year into the keyword, it does add the recency and it's great as you are maybe at the tail end of the previous year, or of course, when you're in the the current year that is listed there. But as soon as you're maybe like the tail end of the year, let's say, you know, back in, or in November, I don't really want to, you know, figure out how to do something that is soon going to be out of date. Now, the the good part is writing a resume. Hopefully that's not going to change too much from year to year at all so you could really just go through and manually update the title on your post and, and then it would have the the current year i think there are plugins and or technical shortcuts that you can do where you literally put a variable in there for the title and it will populate whatever the current year is so depending on your technical solution on your website there may be a way you could just do it the fact is If it's only, let's say there's 15 posts that have the year in there, that would take you, what, a couple minutes to update each one. It's not really a big deal, and you can update it manually. So your overall question, are these phrases too long? Nope, some of them are, are pretty long. Some of them are, whatever, seven, eight words. Some of those are articles or small words in there. That's totally fine, and I think... It adds the level of specificity that you want in this kind of content. Another caution, aside from the year is you may have some that are very similar. And I don't think I saw this in your your list of questions, so i'll I'll go ahead and just tell you what it is. There's keyword cannibalization, which is that a term you've come across in the past?
1: Um, I'm familiar. Cause if you have two videos, the same then, or two blog posts, the same, they essentially are fighting each other for a ranking. Is that.
0: Yep. They eat each other just like regular cannibals. So <laughs> they, yeah, that's exactly right. I, I don't know how big of an impact it is on YouTube. And I should probably look at that. Cause I have a lot of videos that literally go over the same topics, like probably 50 videos go over the same topics. So On your blog, it'll be more important because what ends up happening is you might have two posts on a similar topic. And then you might rank, say, position eight and nine. So actually not bad, you're ranking in the top 10, but you're ranking eight and nine for those two posts. And it turns out if you would just delete one of those posts, there's a very high chance, a big likelihood that your remaining post on that topic will move higher and it'll rank like number two. Maybe it'll go to number one. But once you remove that confusion and Google knows, hey, this is the post, this is the URL on your site that covers that topic, it'll rank much higher. Sometimes you have to massage the Content and maybe combine it, and there's some technical things that you need to do because sometimes you won't know that Google is going to do that. We we don't know how Google's going to react to certain content. So, I do, however, see some of the keywords, which I, I can give this specific example. So, you have uh, how to write a resume that will get you an interview, and how to write a resume and stand out from the crowd. So. Those potentially would have extremely similar content and it actually doesn't even make sense to write two different articles on that because the goal is, you know, write a, write a good resume that will get you attention in in some capacity. So with that in mind, I'm going to throw another one in there that would be a little bit different so that we can compare and contrast a little bit. So. The first two that I that I said, so how to write a resume that will get you an interview. And then the second is how to write a resume and stand out from the crowd. And the third one is how to write a resume for your first job, which I don't know if that's on your list, but I'll just make that one up for comparison purposes. So for the first two that I listed, those are basically the same searcher. So put yourself in the shoes of the searcher, it's basically the same person. The third one that I listed about a resume for your first job, that is something specific. They don't have any other professional experience, it's their first job, it's a different searcher. So if you look at a set of keywords and there's a couple of the keyword phrases that you can think about the searcher and realize, hey, it's the same person, the same content, would work for that person and the other searcher, then just c- combine them together. Don't write the same piece of content twice. And then of course you have another another uh, search phrase that is completely different. It's a different searcher, different problems, and you can write the article in the proper context.
1: Okay. So I was wondering kind of along the same lines of length for the, um, keyword phrase. What about segmentation? Like I've noticed in YouTube particularly, it'll almost be like two keyword phrases combined. So an example might be increasing your income and then like a dash, how to ask for and receive raises and promotions. Should those be separate KGR searches as well? Or would you do those as two different KGR searches and just assume when they're put together that it, you know, would, apply it for both?
0: Good question. For, I see this a lot on YouTube and I mean, you could find probably a (laughs) hundred, hundreds of examples that I've literally done as well. So I think when I step back, and this is what I recommend for SEO on blogs or for YouTube or whatever. At some point you should step back and think, what does the viewer want to see? What does the reader want to see? How can we get out of our heads on the SEO side? Because you can make kind of weird and stupid decisions if you are just trying to work the algorithm and figure out like, okay, how can I get the most views on this based on how I title it? So when I strip away all the BS and I think about the title and the content of, a video so we'll we'll think about the video i would just have a shorter title that is not clickbait it's just literally what it's about so that title that you described the creator is trying to write a title that'll capture both of those search phrases and most likely I have zero testing I haven't even tried this myself but my hunch is if you just had the single title with the most important thing that you're trying to rank for and nothing else and just had a shorter title I think that would probably rank better than trying to add other things on there
1: okay yeah that makes sense and that's um incongru- incongruence okay that it incongruence not incongruence uh with what I've seen as far as blog posts now, you know, with YouTube, you have your thumbnail. So maybe people are looking at that more than the title description of the, you know, so maybe you can kind of get away with it on YouTube, having the two segments. Okay, yeah, that makes
0: sense. And that's exactly right. So one thing you can do is put in the title, your your primary thing that you're trying to, to rank for, the primary keyword. And then on the thumbnail, you could, have the other half in there because the, the fact is those are the two most important things for click-through rate. So if you can, and the other part is if you just put the same words on the thumbnail and the title, it's redundant. They, they can read e- either one of them. So you may as well take advantage of that. Now the, the, of course, the the image and the, the thumbnail Google can't read the words on there, or at least to my knowledge, they're not trying to read the words. Google can read the words on there. YouTube can read the words on, on the images if they want to, but to my knowledge, that doesn't come into play for the SEO of YouTube. Okay. And quick question for you. So on your videos that have ranked higher and or gotten more views, do they have sh- shorter titles that are literally, uh, the, I guess, the most basic and exactly what you're covering in the videos?
1: Yeah, they're long. I the ones that I've done that have been most successful are my emergency fund videos. So, um, how to get started building an emergency fund, I think, is my long is my most popular one.
0: Okay, that makes sense. It just to the point, and I I know there's exceptions for every every rule that you can come up with or guidance, you could find examples to disprove it really easily but i would say when i think about some of the the great videos that seem to go viral they're they're short titles that are descriptive and there's no clickbait, there's no um there's no like trickery going on it's just straightforward so all right what's next
1: great thanks what do you recommend around bad grammar and spelling if enough if enough people are searching searching for incorrect keywords, would you just kind of go along with it, or you know, would you do the corrected version of that KGR term?
0: What? Just curious. What's your hunch? Uh, what What do you think?
1: I'm I'm not sure. I because I went back and forth on it. I was like, well, you know. I don't want to, you know, look like I don't know grammar, you know, there's that little like pride component of it. Um, But also, you know, if you rank, you know, you do all in title with the exact thing that you're entering. So maybe Google would be more likely to serve it up um, with the bad grammar in it. I'm not sure.
0: Okay. Uh, So you should fix the grammar and any misspellings or any kind of things like that. So a couple reasons. Number one, like you said, if you, you don't want to intentionally make a mistake. So for, unfortunately, I mean, we, we make mistakes. So you're going to have, or I, I have incorrect grammar all the time, uh, especially when I'm speaking. That's even worse. If you've ever looked at a transcript of what you actually said, there's all, all these false starts and fragments and stuff. But uh, writing, I fuck up too. So the, the point is, Um, Fix what you can because that's the right thing to do. As far as the SEO perspective, Google and YouTube know when something's misspelled and they will give you the right term. So I don't know, I, I can't remember if it's like this on YouTube, but of course if you go to Google and you type something in and you misspell it, Google will say, oh, did you mean this? We're showing you results for the thing that you probably meant anyway. So they correct it already. There was a time in the past, I think maybe even before I got into SEO, where you could rank for a misspelled word and it would actually be beneficial. But at this point, Google knows what you're trying to type in. Even if you fat finger it and misspell it in a way that's not like a actual misspelling, but it's just extra letters got in there or your finger was in the wrong spot or you're typing on your phone, like they know the weird misspellings that you could accidentally come up with and figure it out. So spell stuff right.
1: Thank God. Pretty funny. I totally botched asking that question anyway. So that's a little funny. (laughs) Bad grammar and spelling and speaking.
0: pardon me, I want to jump in and thank another sponsor, and that is Niche Website Builders. And typically, I have them sponsor the Q&A segment, but this whole whole entire episode is really just Q&A going back and forth with Roxanne. So I'm going to highlight a different area because they just brought several services back online. And essentially, they They sort of throttled things down and they weren't taking on new clients for a little while, which from a marketing perspective, I know that creates scarcity. People want to know when they can get in. And I have been working with niche website builders for about seven months on a shotgun skyscraper campaign. The last time I checked, I had something like 93 links over the course of six months or so, seven months technically, and the average domain rating from Ahrefs is 44 point something. So so pretty high. And the reason why I'm using some approximations is they need to update the spreadsheet that I look at, the tracking spreadsheet for their delivery. So they need to update for February. So I expect there's probably a handful more links in there. I'll highlight quickly some of the other link building services that they have. Of course, I think the flagship, in my opinion, is that shotgun skyscraper, but they also have guest posts and niche edits, which niche edits, uh, if you're unfamiliar, actually, I'll I'll read directly from their website here. Uh, Essentially, they reach out to websites and they try to see if they could find a site in your niche or something highly relevant where you can have a link placed. So you don't have to publish a brand new article over there via a guest post, which has no history, has no links. It's virtually, uh, you know, a, a dome or not a domain, a page authority of nothing because it's a brand new guest post guest posts are great and I do like them but the niche edit service is a is a nice way to potentially get your link on a page that has been there and has been uh, indexed already and your link will show up there and it's a great uh, it's a great approach you know at least some people really like it some other people would say they they don't like it but if if you're going the route of getting guest posts check out niche edits as well. Some people would appreciate those more. And then they also have link packages, which those are a combo, right? The, the double hitter of guest post and niche edit. So you could check that out as well. And you can save 10% on any of these link packages using my, uh, what do you call it? A coupon code. You could use my coupon code, save a few bucks. I'm an affiliate. So I get a little kickback, a little commission as well, which I greatly appreciate. It helps me bring you these shows. So thanks to niche website builders. And let's get back to the interview.
1: So this one is a little bit um, kind of maybe higher level. At what point do you stop researching the blog post title or the YouTube video title and just get started making it. Uh, I think I might be spending too much time in planning mode and not enough time in execution mode, as evidenced by the fact that the section of spreadsheet that we're looking at is a very small portion of my actual big SEO spreadsheet. And this is only topics on career, resume, pay increases and promotions. And it was about 227 rows.
0: So... Yeah, you spent too much time, but.
1: <laughs> I just needed to hear it, so thank sure. you.
0: <laughs> and people vary on how they like to, to work, but I'll give you my reasoning here. And basically you have more keywords than you're gonna be able to use for a long time. Videos take a long time. So if you actually do videos on these I mean, it'll take you a year to get through just a few of them anyway. And if you're writing blog posts uh, to accompany them, which totally makes sense, it maybe would take a little bit longer. Now that's not to say, I mean, you you didn't waste time here. Like all this is useful and you have a a good list. And basically, even if you have 200 some odd in this list, chances are, you know, some of them are kind of duplicates Like we talked about the keyword of cannibalization. Some of them may not fit the area that you're trying to like focus on in a certain phase of the year, what you're trying to do in the content. So you can probably consolidate and maybe you'll end up with like 50 really good keywords, which is great. I mean, you can, I mean, that'll keep you busy for a really long time also. So I think you can probably... Distill this list down and you have a few different categories too. So you can distill those down into the ones that you really want to focus on and and spend the extra time on creating the best content in those given topics. The other reason why it's good to not over-research, especially since you are using a new SEO technique that you haven't used before, you don't have any data behind how this is going to work for you. So let's say you spend two months accumulating a lot of keywords. Maybe you heard someone say, you know, you should find, you know, 300 keywords before you get started just to make sure you have enough topics and blah, blah, blah. And if you spend all that time finding keywords, let's say you made a little mistake in your technique, or maybe you're finding keywords that don't really rank that well for you. And you've spent all this time finding keywords that don't rank that well. So usually the advice I give people is like, find 10, 20, maybe 50 good keywords to get started on, start creating that content. You'll have data based on your output, how your audience is reacting to it, how Google is ranking it, how YouTube's ranking it. And then you can adjust if you need to. And you could transfer that to anything you wanna do. I, I don't recommend people work completely on a full phase and then move on to the next phase. In the software world and project management world, it's the the waterfall project. Did you did you run into that in your in your uh corporate? Uh, no. Gig? All Mm-mm. right. So for software, you have a requirements phase. So you, you kind of plan, you figure out from a business perspective, what does the software need to do? And then you would go talk to the engineers and say, okay, from a system perspective, how do we meet those business goals? And then you have all these requirements. Then you develop the software, which could take a long time. Then you test the software to make sure it works. And in the traditional waterfall, you do all the business requirements first, then you do the technical or system requirements, then you develop it, and then you test it afterwards. What usually happens is... (laughs) Each step of the way, the solution gets further away from what the business people actually need. So when it comes around to testing and user testing, the, the users, the business people that made those initial requirements usually say, well, this is not what we meant at all and we need to redo it. So they have to go back and redo all of those several phases where if they just focused on, th- this is like agile project management, basically. So you, you end up iterating multiple times and do little pieces so that everyone's on the same page, uh, or they're more likely to be on the same page. All, all of the, all of the project management solutions and techniques have flaws, but for certain things like finding keywords, you're doing new research, you, you, need to create more videos, it's really good to find a handful of keywords, start producing the videos, see how the audience reacts. Maybe you need to revisit how you're doing your research. So that's the main reason why I encourage people to not spend too much time researching and execution will get you a lot more information.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. You Plus then you get practice and you don't end up in a place, like you said, where the end product is not Uh, expected so
0: yep and as you go along so to continue with the analogy if you (laughs) if you create the videos as you go and and maybe you can batch some and maybe find five keywords and then do some videos if if you were to find a, a big long list of keywords and then just start creating a bunch of videos the iteration that you're able to do is sort of cut because you're not getting that feedback loop as quickly. You can adjust things and make sure that you do get feedback, but I've heard from a lot of YouTubers, and this is kind of the way I kind of followed along and then heard other people talk about it, where for a little while, I just needed to publish videos. And then I wanted to get a little bit better with live video, so I would try to do live streams. And then I realized, My lighting was terrible and I needed to fix the lighting. And then I realized the audio was bad too. So I needed to fix that. So each video or set of videos, I tried to improve another little thing. So hopefully now people can hear and see me pretty well. And hopefully I speak a little bit better too. So you can improve one little thing at a time, but it's really hard to do all that at once. It's overwhelming if you're thinking I have to get all this right on the first video.
1: Yeah. I bet that's a common mistake for new creators.
0: And it'll, I mean, it'll shut a lot of people down as well, just because there's too many things and it's overwhelming. So if you could just realize it's going to be garbage for a little while and like slowly Mm -hmm. improve, then you could fight through it. So.
1: Yeah. This is a great segue into the next question do you filter KGR ratios to look at like the top 10 for that subject or for your spreadsheet in order to determine, you know, what to do next, um, using this as a kind of planning method for your content?
0: When you say filter, um, do you mean sort? And if so, um, what mechanism or am I mixing up the question here?
1: Okay, so you use conditional formatting on your spreadsheet. So would you you know, look at all of the, the terms that turned up as green? Would you look at all of those to try to determine what your next content will be? Or do you know what you're going to do ahead of time? And then you're just looking for the best KGR term available.
0: Often, I would look at the lowest search volume terms. Because those are usually the least competitive. So it's counterintuitive as well, because if you wanted to get the most views or the most searches, you would aim for the highest searches per month. And if you, if you flip that over and you go for the less competitive stuff, then my reasoning was a lot of times you'll have a better chance of ranking faster. On the YouTube side, I don't know if it matters as much because the algorithm is is a little different and it sometimes favors like newer content. And you, you potentially, and I've seen, and, and maybe this happened with um, your video on the emergency funds, you were outranking and doing better than much bigger channels that were more established, more videos, more views, all those details. But your video was better than theirs and it reacted from a viewer perspective, it got longer view times and it kept people on the platform. So a l- little different on the YouTube side. All that to say, uh, there's no specific way, it's totally up to you. Some people like to use the KGR and sort it that way. So the lowest KGR indicates the lowest competition. So that that's a valid way. You could look at the search volumes and say, I'm gonna go after the highest search volumes because I wanna, try to maximize the amount of eyes or searches that are occurring on this term or the opposite. If you're like me and you wanted to zig when everyone was zagging and go after the lower competition, that's valid too. So there's no right or wrong way to do that.
1: Okay. Yeah. So just to make sure that I'm following you the, um, you said, it's totally fine. I mean, I, I guess this is kind of obvious. It's totally fine to filter and determine that the next video that you're gonna do is the most advantageous KGR video that's on your spreadsheet um, or picking a section. Like, oh, if I'm gonna do a, a career video and then going through and you know looking through the KGR term, so.
0: Yes, and on that point, it's a good idea Both probably from a video perspective and from a blogging perspective, if you stick in a a, kind of a topic zone. So, not just career, but maybe your next five pieces of content are resume related, especially for your regular subscribers. They're now thinking, oh, resume stuff. It all kind of ties together. As you publish another one, maybe it helps the other videos rank, and people, if they watch this one video on, some aspect of resumes they maybe would watch the other. You can create a playlist around it. From a blogging perspective, it also gives Google topical relevancy. You can internally link those posts together, which is good. And, you know, the whole package together is you have videos that are in a playlist, they're linked together in the descriptions, and then you could put and embed those videos on your blog post. And then the blog post can have a link. And of course, it's a, the video is embedded. So all of it can work together to help Google understand this, this is the exact topic. The, the title on the video is this. The title of the blog post is related. All the content's related. Google will understand that.
1: Okay, that's really interesting. So the emergency fund videos that I did that have done the best on my channel, uh, I did it exactly like you just said, I picked five video title descriptions, I made them one after another, I slammed them in a playlist. So and I've never heard the term topical relevancy before. And so it makes sense that You know, you're really telling YouTube, you know, this is what my content is about. I am an expert in this. You can see I can create five different videos. So therefore, you know, I'm reliable. So you think Google does, and I know that the algorithms are private and secret, sacred, right? But you think Google kind of does the same thing where they, that helps, that gives them the same kind of information if you create them back to back to back, since there's no playlist essentially on Google.
0: I don't think the timing matters as much. I think it's more just having that content. So for example, if I audit someone's site and I see they have one article that is ranking maybe okay, maybe not even ranking that well, but they want it to rank well, and it's the only article on their site related to that topic, a great way to help boost the rankings is to publish say five or well, really you could publish a lot of them, but I just threw out five, say f- five or 15 related posts kind of related to that topic. It could be directly related. Let's say it's questions about specifics of writing a resume and all of those can link together internally on the website. And then each of those individual posts can also link to the the sort of main post that the person was trying to rank for.
1: Okay, cool. Interesting. Um, This kind of goes back to like spreadsheet organization. Um, Should I keep keywords and then the long keyword phrase titles in separate lists? So on my spreadsheet, I separated it into a few different sections. Like I mentioned, career, resume, pay increases and promotions. And then I did the KGR on those terms as well. Just because I figured, you know, they might have slightly different rankings. You know, if career is a better keyword in general than promotion, then, you know, that can help me determine what video to do next since I have 200 options on the spreadsheet. Um, So I guess I was even curious if you even did that. If, since I know you go after the long tail keywords, I was wondering then, do you even, would you even search for, or would you even calculate the KGR for the term career? So, so thank you. That's exactly what I was going for.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't just because the search volumes are so high, the number of all entitled results isn't super relevant. So you might be able to find, you might be able to find some low all entitled values, But when it comes down to it, if you actually Google the term, you would find that it probably doesn't matter if it's in the title because bigger sites are ranking for those large terms.
1: Okay. So I just recently did create an Etsy shop and I put some digital downloads on there. And looking in Etsy, it looks like keyword stuffing is a really big trend there. You know, like a digital download might say, wall art, printable, like have all these like comma, 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 comma keywords shoved in there. And so I was gonna ask, you know, I've noticed that a little bit on YouTube, kind of the same question of the segments, if there's two portions in the same title. Um, So kind of, I, I think you already answered this question. You said, you know, what does the reader wanna see or what does the watcher wanna see? So I'm guessing you would say kind of the same thing. You don't really need to stuff that one additional keyword into your titles, right?
0: Right, I I think you can, and again, I've done that, and I think it could be more helpful to put some copywriting flair into it. So one video I recently did, it was around Amazon affiliate marketing. So that's kind of the main keyword, but I searched for that term in YouTube, and I saw that a lot of the other YouTubers that were ranking well, had step-by-step in there. I'm probably not trying to rank for Amazon affiliate marketing step-by-step. Probably people are not searching for that, but from a copywriting perspective, that's what people want to see and it seems to be reacting well. So I would search for the term and see how other people are titling it, and you'll get a wide range. You will also see people that did exactly what I described where they search for the term they saw what was working and then they sort of pieced together pieces from other people's stuff and just try to copy the title some people will actually copy the titles of videos or blog posts, and on the youtube side they'll copy the thumbnail too like the style of the thumbnail so you, if you go and search you'll see people are reverse engineering or trying to figure it out. The whole point being go go search for it and you should do this both on YouTube and Google before you create the piece of content. Search for the term, see what's ranking. I think it'll give you an idea for the content that you should include. It'll give you an idea about thumbnails, it'll give you an idea for the actual title and if there's anything else you could put on there. And On YouTube, I would encourage people, do the video anyway. Like Even if you're not sure if it'll rank and you see it's really competitive, publish it anyway. It might rank in the long term and it may take a little while and then it'll blow up. On on the blog side, if you see it's super competitive and there's all these big financial sites that are already ranking pretty well, there's a decent chance that you're not going to be able to outrank them. And on YouTube, small creators can still compete. I created a video. It was kind of a throwaway video about a year ago. It only took me a few minutes, no script. It took me like three minutes to edit. And then after a few months, it started ranking in search really high as a very high click-through rate too, like in the double-digit range. And it is getting more views than anything else. It's not even related to the topics that I usually cover. It's very strange, but it just continues to get more. And I realized like how powerful the the search traffic on the YouTube side is because, I mean, the fact is I built most of my channel not off of search. It was through just publishing a lot of videos and trying really hard, but I wasn't getting new viewers through ranking in search on youtube
1: i've been noticing that lately it seems like google search I'd, i i just haven't been able to find things that match as well as i feel like i used to be able to find things on google and you know i i wonder if people are figuring out the algorithm essentially or you know their keyword stuffing like on recipes that you search And then there's like a, you know, full blog post and then the little tiny recipe at the end where they're, you know, so I've been wondering about that. Like, you know, at some point, are people going to have to start looking other than at places other than Google to diversify their content because it's just not as good of a search engine anymore?
0: Yeah, I I don't know exactly. I mean, Google is always updating the algorithm, I think like the actual stat is they update it daily and, and like s- small little tweaks. And then a few times a year, there's going to, there's a big algorithm update. So I know, yeah, from a recipe perspective, I hope they change it up. And one thing I hate with recipes is they have all the the pop-ups. So there's like a video playing, there's another video playing, things are scooting around on the page. And then there's like a thousand word article about how someone loves like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and you're trying to get like a lasagna recipe or something. And it's just, you don't care about that stuff. You just want to get the recipe. So hopefully Google will kill those, um, in the rankings. So those ads will go away. But I mean, I guess they got to make money somehow, but I think there's other ways.
1: Sure. And you know, it's just that, a like I was searching peanut butter and jelly wings, instant pot the other day, and like the first few results i was like why did this come up and then i finally found one that was like roughly similar as just thinking about how it just doesn't seem as good as it used to with the how it would serve up results
0: yeah there's definitely yeah it, it's it's strange what's well, marketers and seo people like me that screw it up for everybody.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Doug. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, on one hand, like, yeah, you should be rewarded if you're creating good content. And that's, you know, ultimately what they're trying to do. But it, it has been frustrating me lately. I was like, Google, what the heck?
0: <laughs> so for the bullet journal, one, are you doing, are you scripting it out and everything where you're going to have a specific script and stick to it? Or are you kind of loose with it i I haven't done a that kind of a video
1: yeah um so i haven't actually done any um, seo for it yet and i don't even know if i'm going to do a voiceover um some of them are just you know music um to you know the person writing out you know the title for each page drawing out the sections it is a money specific bullet journal and it's interesting that you mentioned um you know, how there's different like step by step, there's different popular keyword groupings for different titles. One that I saw for bullet journaling was minimalist, minimalist bullet journal, because people want something that's, you know, straightforward, it's easy to do. So I that's all I know about it so far. Um, But yeah, I have like, an emergency fund planning page, where it's the five different types of emergency funds I keep and then, and then I'll go back and fill out my estimation for each. Um, calculation, uh, budget. And yeah, so I'm going to do the big video. And then I know this is something that you are a big advocate of is kind of breaking it down into, you know, individual pieces of content that are specific. So I'll probably go back and then do, you know, just a budgeting one, use some of my video as B-roll in the new video, and then do, you know, the proper voiceover, describe, you know, how to fill it out, give tips on, you know, how to do it yourself.
0: Cool, yeah, it's pretty fun. All yeah, right, I'm really excited. Well, you'll have to share that with us whenever it comes out. And any other thoughts?
1: Um, I don't think so. Yeah.
0: All right. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on YouTube Finance Rocks. No space. It's Finance R O X, which is short for Roxanne because I'm very clever. Um, my blog is FinanceRocks.com. I need to upgrade my theme. So I don't, it's not very good. I'll say that right now. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah. And then I'm on Instagram. That's my favorite. So finance rocks, no space. It's the same everywhere.
0: All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Thanks again to Roxanne. Really appreciate her taking the time to, uh, do the keyword research, and then go through this coaching session. So we'll check back in with her once some of the content is published, once some of those videos are published to see how they do. And like I mentioned before, if you haven't checked out her channel, it's on personal finance. Well, you could learn. You could learn about personal finance over there. I highly encourage you to check out the channel, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this show. So we'll catch you on the next episode.